Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Adam Kligfeld. I upset some people this week. If you know enough people, you're going to upset some of them sometimes. But it never feels good to cause upset to people whom you care about and with whom you have a tremendous amount of sympathy for the very reasons why they are upset with you. I want to explain whom I upset and how it upset them and my response to that. We had uh, a traumatic or a nearly traumatic incident in our community this week. A member of our community, after having dropped off their child from school to school at Pressman, was walking back towards Olympic Boulevard and was hit in the head by a homeless, unhoused person who spends time by the 7-Eleven, pushed into the street, nearly hit by an oncoming, oncoming car, and then was able to make it back onto the curb without further injury. Thank goodness the victim, a member of our community, was not uh, terribly physically harmed. But you can imagine the emotional and psychological trauma of being uh, hit by someone that you had no expectation was going to happen and to have been nearly uh, hit by a car as you were recovering from that blow. We are a shul and a school embedded in a very complicated city. And cities have aspects of them that are dangerous. And we have only to look and open our eyes over the last few years to recognize the extent to which parts of Los Angeles, a city that many of us love, have called home for generations, has become more dangerous than it has before, even in neighborhoods where you and I make our homes. In my own neighborhood, which is just less but a half mile from here, there was a person murdered in their own home, six houses away from us, by someone who was indigent on the street, someone who actually had been uh, spoken to by police officers because they were lingering on streets where it seems that they didn't necessarily belong. At the time, the police recognized that no crime was in the process of being committed or was certain to commit. The police left. Within hours, that person entered someone's home and took someone's life. This is a real issue. And we have 550 kids coming in and out of our building twice a day, Monday through Friday, in addition to the ways in which our campus is filled with kids and adults every day. We are community partners, we are community residents, and we are also Jews who live by a social and moral code that pushes us to think more complex about things that may seem simple. The leadership of the synagogue sent out an email to the congregation, mostly to inform them what happened, because word had begun to spread. We wanted to get out in front of the story, to remind people to be alert and aware. Even with our security guards, we cannot guarantee that anyone within a block or two of our building is going to be safe 100% of the time. We wanted to encourage a certain vigilance when walking the streets of Los Angeles. And we had an internal debate amongst the leadership of the synagogue whether or not another paragraph should be added to this letter, in addition to expressing concern for our member, in addition to talking about our security measures, in addition to our 
stating unequivocally that people should be able to come in and out of our campus without fear of physical harm. We added a paragraph. This is what the paragraph said. As we confront the growing crisis of unhoused and mentally unstable people on the streets of Los Angeles, including adjacent to our campus, we may find ourselves toggling between two notions. On the one hand, we care for every human being, every citizen, every resident of our city, and we are called by our Jewish values to contribute to forces that ameliorate the situation, not just for our well-being, but for the well-beings of those most vulnerable. Most on the street did not consciously choose their lot in life, and we must find requisite compassion for them and the situation they are in. On the other hand, we have every right to expect that we can walk to and from school and synagogue without risking physical harm, without being afraid of being assaulted. And so we also must contribute to continuing to search, secure our campus, as well as the immediate environment surrounding as best as possible. Reality is that we must live holding both notions dear to us simultaneously. A good number of people in our community who received that email were furious at the content of that paragraph. Rabbi, how dare you do anything in this email other than express solidarity with the victim and re-articulate your commitment to securing our campus? Rabbi, this is not the moment to ex express your bleeding heart for those vulnerable in our society. There are other moments for that. This is the moment for us to circle on the wagons, protect our very own, and make sure that people can come and go on our campus without fear of physical harm. Rabbi, this was not the moment to share that message. I have great empathy and sympathy for the people who are angry at me, angry at us for including it. These are people who live within a few blocks of our campus. These are people who face walking in and out of their homes and apartments all the time. The question, is today going to be the day that someone does something unpredictable that's going to harm me or someone that I love? These are people who walk over people and sometimes their excrement simply by going in and out of their homes. These are people who wanted their rabbi and their synagogue to, to say, on this day, independent of what we're doing on other days of the year, we are focusing on us, and isn't it okay to focus on us? Isn't it okay for our lives and our well-being and our health and our physical safety to be the only thing that's spoken about in this email? My response to them, which I share in this group right now, is no. I don't think that would have been an appropriate email to send. I felt that as a community neighborhood organization, perhaps we could have simply sent out an email only expressing solidarity with our people. As a rabbi, as a community that lives out Torah values and rabbinic values, the very moment where it would have been hardest for us to share our heart and our empathy with those even who threaten us, with those who are most vulnerable, the moment that that becomes hard is the Jewish moment to say that is our obligation. I am moved by many 
texts in our tradition that put us, push us in this direction, not to push us towards self-abnegation, not to push us away, God forbid, from protecting ourselves on our own, but to push us to complicate the situation because the situation calls for it. I'm moved by a well-known teaching of Rashi's on this week's Parsha that I shared in a different context early in, early in the week, but has been sitting with me the entire week. As Yaakov, Jacob, is getting ready to prepare for this reunion with Esav, his brother, whom he fears is coming with many men to kill him, because Esav has a reason to kind of kill him, because he's angry at the stolen birthright. The Torah says, Yaakov, ma'od lo. Yaakov was very afraid, for understandable reasons, lo, and he was distressed. If you and I were writing that sentence, we would say the person used uh, two words when he could have used one. Distressed and afraid, are they really that different from each other? Sometimes we exaggerate. We Jews read the Torah as if there is no exaggeration. <coughs> no empty word. No word that's there for no reason. And so Rashi quoting in Midrash and says, what does it mean that he was afraid and that he was distressed? How are they communicating different aspects of what he was holding on to in that moment. And the Torah said, the Midrash is something wonderful. And particularly wonderful in that it has described the soul of the Jew from the time we became the Jewish people. From the time Yaakov became Israel, And we've held on to these values even when it has been difficult to. Vayira ma'od. He was very afraid because he was in danger. He didn't want to be hurt. He didn't want to be killed. He didn't want to be pushed into a street. He didn't want to be punched by someone who might damage him. He was afraid for reasons we can all identify. And he was distressed, lest in the process of having to protect himself, he had to hurt someone else. He was distressed, lest in the defense of his own well-being, he would have to compromise the well-being of another person. Can we hold on to that tension, the Midrash asks us to consider? Can we identify fully, 100%, with his and anyone's fear of being injured or killed by an enemy or by someone unknown? And at the same time, hold on with 100% the content of the Jewish conscience that says, it takes something away from me, my humanity, my Jewishness and my soul, to not think about the impact on, I have on another even when defending myself. The Jewish people have had to contend with these issues for millennia. And when we regained power and autonomy and authority as the state of Israel was founded over 70 years ago, we had to contend with it on a level that had been in some ways merely academic for two millennia. One of the biggest challenges for every Israeli policeman and every Israeli soldier and every Israeli defense minister and every person who wears the Jewish star literally or figuratively as they're defending Jewish lives is to get into the mindset of the Midrash's read of Yaakov and say, I am afraid lest we will be invaded. <coughs> I'm afraid lest terrorists will kill our citizens. I'm afraid lest our streets be less safe because of real dangers out there. And I am distressed for what I have to do to keep myself and my nation safe. 
It is okay. It is incumbent upon us to experience some of that distress. When I walk north from this campus, past the spot of this incident, and I've done that now six or eight times since the incident, even though the incident didn't happen to me, I have felt the first half of that Yaakov phrase, afraid for the well-being of me and my child's hand that I'm holding. And I have been distressed knowing the very processes that we are actually in a part of making happen that we're going to have to do to impact other people to make us safer. One of the things that the city sometimes does in the situation is take benches that are about four feet long that are inviting for people who have no other bed to lie down on, to sleep on through the night, and to turn those benches into benches where there are handles in between the seats so that you could sit there waiting for a bus, but you could not lie down. Practical solution taking a bench that could be a magnet for someone to lie down and make a temporary home and make it so that this spot, at least this spot on earth, is not going to be acceptable for someone to sleep um, from nighttime till dawn. That's not an outrageous practical solution. Except that the Talmud, on some level, would call that activity, even in the defense of the safety of your neighborhood, to be akin to what they did in Sodom and Gomorrah. The type of more, more low morality behavior in defense of self that God responded to by saying, this is a society that no longer needs to exist. There was an article some years ago about, uh, I think it was churches, that had similar issues that uh, we had where indigent people, homeless, homeless people, were sleeping on the floor and the, right in front of the door of the church, right? thinking, if I can't find sanctuary at the door of a church, where can I find sanctuary? And if the churches were dealing with their own members coming into the church, feeling unsafe and unwell because of the people who are making that their home. And so what they did in some of these churches is that they took that area right in front of the church. Instead of being a flat slab of concrete, they had it be spiked. Not so spiked that you would be injured by walking over it, but spiked enough that you would choose somewhere else to spend the night. Maybe that's an interesting practical suggestion. Every church, every business owner, every home has the right to make his or her property as safe as possible for inhabitants. The Talmud would say, if you put spikes outside your church, so that even the people that you're afraid of can no longer lie down to sleep at night, people who lack an another place to sleep at night, you have become a sodomite on some level. You have attached yourself to the behavior of Stoman Amora. How long can such a society, even free from danger from homeless people, deserve to stand and deserve to persist? I am so overwhelmed with sadness that someone in our community had this terrible incident this week. And I will, can imagine it will be a very long time between that person, before that person and that person's friends and community members can walk by that, stop, that spot and not wonder, am I next? And the next mayor of Los Angeles, Karen Bass, and all the people that she works with have an enormous, impossible job in trying to run a city, keep citizens safe, and find some reasonable solution to increase the chances 
that you can walk through the streets of Los Angeles without being afraid of being attacked, and also to try to ameliorate the lives of the wretched people, or people living wretched lives, lives they did not choose. And it seems to me that any time in the defense of our own well-being and our own bodies, we stop to see the humanity in the other, that's the moment we lose an essential and unrecoverable piece of the humanity of ourselves. May this community and our security officers, may the elected officials who govern this city and this region find more and more ways to increase our likelihood of walking the streets of our home with safety and security. And may we be reminded, not only because we're Americans and Angelinos, but because we are Jews and descendants of Yaakov, that every person in the city has the right to live and sleep and be and eat with their security and their safety guaranteed as well. That is a hard balance to hold. It's a balance that Judaism obligates us to hold. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.